0: On this podcast, we discuss real-life experiences with teens and adults right here in Santa Barbara. The knowledge we gain and share from these talks are an aim to help young men and women build a solid foundation of confidence. Welcome to the Solid Foundation podcast. Today, I'm here with Adam Burridge, aka Pugs. Got the pleasure of training with you. You're my professor as a black belt at Paragon. And today we're sitting to talk about from what I've understand, you struggled with addiction for a big part of your life, back and forth. But right now, you're clean and you're thriving. From what I could see, and that's my opinion on it as well. Just tell me a little bit about a quick summary of of your life, real quick. Just a quick summary, and we'll get into detail. Where do you want me to start exactly? Just from where you have had your struggle, okay? And how you what you did right now that you're living well. So um, last
1: time, um, I basically, kind of like starting at the end, I was sentenced to do like a term, but they switched uh, the capacity of state prisons in California for this new thing called AB 109 Senate bill, uh, like 420 and AB 109 or something like that. Uh So like there can only be 109,000 prisoners in the state. So I, I ended up doing my term in county jail. I had some credit, so I ended up doing a year a day here in the county and it was long enough for me to get like all the drugs completely like out of my system like everybody knows dope comes through county but it's not enough to keep like a righteous habit right mm-hmm. so i was enough to clear my mind um and i and when i got out <clears throat> luckily i was able to get right into a men's sober living home and um the difference this last time was i was so sick of building everything up and then giving it away i was willing to take direction and just willing to like suit up and show up, be accountable for my actions. If someone said, look it, this is what you need to do to succeed. I would just do it Mm -hmm. instead of trying to fight it or ask questions. And that kind of leads me into where I'm at now.
0: So those, those key principles that you just said right now is what I'm passionate about sharing here in in our community. And I'm hoping that it can spread and, and others can use it just worldwide, wherever it's heard. Right. And because from the way I see it is you can go online and you could hear from a, you know, type in um, motivation, you could type in successful stories and you're gonna hear famous people, rich people. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, 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 I listen to those all the time. It's very helpful to me. I'm, I'm, I'm crazy enough to think that I'm gonna be one of those guys one of these days and I'm just working towards it. That's right. I do feel that it's also important though too to have something tangible. Like I, I don't see them. I don't meet them. Most people never will, but I can see with you. I could train with you. I can know you, you have people that you've lived with that you've helped other people we train with. And I just think if we can let it be known that, Hey, there's people all around us that have struggled and they had, they have a strategy to fix it. They did it. They don't go to back to those same old excuses of why you can't be successful or why you have to live miserable, so that's that's why we have this podcast, and that's why I have you here because I think you're a perfect example for that, okay. and I thank you for for coming in and sharing Thanks your story. Happy to be here. So I'd like to dive in to childhood. Like, what was your childhood like as far as, far as your earliest memories?
1: Yeah. So like, um, my early childhood was was awesome. Um, you know, I got two older brothers that are like a lot older than me, like 15 years older and 18 years older. My oldest brother was already out of the house and my, my, uh, my middle brother, he was kind of doing his own thing. So I was pretty much like an only child, you know, spoiled. I had it all. Never went without, had everything I ever needed. And my parents took me to Europe. It was,
0: it was awesome. So with mom and dad, with mom and yeah. dad.
1: All right. And then when I was about, I think like third or fourth grade, they split um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into all that. But mm-hmm. both of my parents, they're they're great,
0: both great people. Did you see it coming at all? I or? didn't. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, like uh, it it hurt bad. I remember, like I didn't. It was it was a really rough time. And my mom went into this depression. Right? I mean, like I'd come home from school, lights out, in her nightgown, mm-hmm. just she was, dude. I didn't know what was going on. It was really hard for me. She didn't want to cook for me. You know, I'm like eating Todd ramen. I know my, my middle brother, he was totally disconnected. It was kind of like a dark time. And then all of a sudden, like mom snaps out of it. I come home one day. I can vividly remember that she's, I'm going back to college, you know? And she did. And so now I'm about like, like, uh, eight. And she goes back to CC and gets her associate's degree, and then she goes to UCSB, and she's going to school. She's working hard, and and during those ages, like 9, 10, 11, 12, I'm kind of left to slide through the cracks going back and forth between mom and dad's house. Uh And already at 12, you know, now I've been kind of cooking for myself, doing my own –
0: dude, I'm my own man in my head. I got it all figured out. So it went from almost – your mom being depressed you having to fend for yourself but then your mom flipping that switch wanting to be successful yeah. but you still got to defend fend for yourself because she's out
1: yeah and doing- and then she's back and trying to like you know this is what we're going to do it's going to be all good trying to me what to do i'm like nah uh-huh. you know and and now too that was the beginning like and I that was at, at 12? 12 that was at 12 you know so like i'm a little skateboard kid uh my dad's an artist he had designed a bunch of stuff for pal peralta some of the early stuff when i was a kid and, and i adore my dad I love my dad you know and so like he juiced me with a bunch of pal gear when i was a kid and i found the skateboarding and, and that was it you know like, yeah uh, that was my thing and uh i don't want to say skateboarding is a bad scene or anything because i think it can be positive yeah. but i found the negatives in it and i kind of ran with it and um it just started with like, uh, you know, smoking weed
0: and then it was like punk rock shows and kind of everything that goes with it. And how quick did that take from just going out skating, wanting to get better at, you know, ollies and, yeah. and you know, flip tricks and all it that. Took years. I mean, it took a while.
1: It took a while into in the fact that instead it was skating to go get weed instead of, skating and smoking some weed while we were skating uh uh-huh. you know what i mean and then weed was the first weed was the first my mom's like she's a shark dude so i was scared to drink i don't want to th- i thought i could like slide by with the weed you know but like, with I'm,
0: the red eyes <laughs> and the smelling like smoke you get away with that I, for yeah. some
1: reason I, yeah. I don't know what i was thinking but that's what i thought um but i was scared to drink so I, I didn't start drinking until i was like maybe you know 13 14
0: well that's still pretty early yeah yeah and then
1: um and then uh, what happened is I started getting arrested and, you know, like jumping uh, juvenile probation and uh, the weed stayed in the system for so much longer. Well, you
0: first know, arrest was what age was that and what to, for?
1: Yeah, so first arrest was for, like, pulling a knife on a dude and all of this stuff, and there was some foot patrol. I didn't know they were there, so some dudes tried to, like,
0: whatever. Some dudes tried to run Basise, up on so me. To me, you jump. I'm missing something. <laughs> Yeah. you went from being a skater smoking where did you even come to now you're packing a knife and willing to use it on somebody where'd that come from I don't know I might have always just kind of been
1: there <laughs> you know what I mean yeah I, I was probably I w- I guess I was angry feeling kind of left out and you know like my little crew of dudes that was those were my people and that's what they were ready to do yeah and that's yeah. just
0: what we were doing you know okay and uh, all right, so it wasn't no got busted for butt and you got to go to a program. It was your your first thing is pulling a knife on somebody. Yeah. And what charges did they slap you with for that?
1: Felony uh, possession. I didn't. I didn't get like a assault or an attempted assault or anything like that because like I just pulled it out. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were just talking shit to each other, like nothing. I didn't like. So and by that a, time, it was a felony possession. It was like for a butterfly. Like it was a felony. And I remember, like, going to juvenile hall the first time. And, like, some of my friends came with me. And, like, uh, there's, like, that little room across from, like, uh, intake or, or booking or whatever. And uh, I remember them calling my friends' name, last names out. And they're, like, calling them back. And then they're, like, Bridge, he's a keeper. And I was, like, <laughs>
0: what? To you or his friend? You're about to, your friend. To me, yeah.
1: yeah. You know, and that was, that was the beginning. And I think the first time I went, I was there for, like, a month. And then it was... Uh, uh, probation school V.S. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's when it was at juvenile hall and um, and then so like I kept getting dirty tests so I would get these little like violations and like two weeks in, in juvenile hall or like weekend work duty where you check in Friday night and work all weekend yeah oh yeah and then um and then we st- it kind of switched to like harder drugs because they'd be out of our system faster yep so it turned to like drinking and, and even it was like meth you know yeah
0: okay. where alcohol is usually out 24 hours bud stays in 30 yeah and then the other things out three or four three, days a yeah so i'm uh, gonna dive into that but i'm curious to know how come that that was your first altercation was there any fights before that to where you actually were getting physical with your fist, or yeah. was it always just jumping straight to weapons?
1: No, it was. Yeah, like uh, I mean, I I w- I've been getting in fights my whole kind of life. Okay, you know? so you had that experience, and you yeah. were kind of. And, and the crazy thing is, is I don't know why, because I was always scared to fight, dude. Uh huh. You know,
0: like I, dude,
1: I was scared of getting hit, but I would just do it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that no, that that makes a lot of sense to me because before I was the opposite. I was absolutely terrified of confrontation to where all the kids in school would be getting pumped. There's a fight after school. Let's go watch. I would hear that. And I would want to go the other way. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, somebody pulls me into it and then having to, to get it and get into the fight. And that just terrified me for some reason, but it wasn't until I got tired of feeling like a little bitch and a pussy. It's just like that pain in me was stronger than getting beat up mm-hmm. and when i flipped that switch then that's when yeah i still got scared but i actually used that fear to attack right. rather than to to run so i totally relate to you on that yeah so this is your teenage years now your start what's the first heavy drug you start using math <laughs> skip the cold <laughs> oh no I mean I, I,
1: I did it yeah. one time a couple times like with some chicks you know like yeah. you know but it wasn't like yeah, you know, I didn't you know, I don't know Ain't nothing yeah it wasn't happening for me Yeah. like I remember the first time I did like this speed, I was like damn yeah what well, was the first time it was uh, IV at a punk rock show you know uh huh. And um, just just drinking and wanting to keep the party going, I had that feeling like you know, just never wanted it to end. I never wanted that party to end. You know? And it was kind of very easily accessible. Oh yeah, someone just—I
0: think they're like, "You got five bucks? You want to try this?" And five bucks was enough for you to gonna take free. you a long way. Yeah, in the beginning, at least. In the beginning, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that so that is when you start your slippery slope. Would you say that's because the beginning? Dive into of F- the heavy.
1: Yeah, I mean, so after that i mean i mean i pretty much was just like um you know fuck it fuck everything obviously i'm not going to school now i'm selling, you know like pretty much the first time i'm selling this shit now, now at what now age i
0: shall speed i think i was like 14 or something yeah. you know like, this would be my profession <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. need school
1: yeah and uh so i found like a a girl who you know i could sneak into her pad i was on a run now totally just gone you know yeah, and and that's what I was doing. Got the little pager back then, and, the and little beeper, the <laughs> little twenties, yeah. and yeah, and a little beeper, and um, and then I don't know. I think I made it like four or five months, which was pretty good at that time.
0: You know, it's pretty young to be to be just running amok, so and, on the run for about four or five months, slanging mm-hmm. the whole time.
1: Yeah. And then I got cracked and went to, um, this, What I mean, did you went out hall for like I don't know, a month or something? And then they're, they're like, you can, you got to go to a placement. And before we send you to boys camp, we're going to send you placement. So cool.
0: Was, was boys camp already there, but you had to do placement before, or it was kind of an option. Boys camp was like the threat. Like oh, okay.
1: if you mess up in placement, yeah. you're going to boys camp. I gotcha. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, uh, so, sure enough, uh, off the placement was in uh, Napa Valley, this place called Our Family. It was like a hundred-man dorm, hundred kids, a lot of kids from the Bay Area. All males? Uh, it was co-ed. Right. But I mean, it was, it was separated or segregated mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so, it was like my first experience at, like, like communal living. Like, when you're living with, that's a lot of people to be in a dorm with. Yeah. You know oh, yeah. I mean? There's all kinds of way out shit going down. You oh, know and when the lights go out. <laughs> yeah. Just crazy. Just crazy. You know, a lot of like body, you know, face of the body and stuff like that. Like you no know, headshots, uh-huh. you know, so like, that was pretty much kind of like testing each yeah, other. Just like, see what's up. And uh-huh. you know, the first time you sit down and say, no, then people are trying to take your shit. And then, and then back then there was like a lot of telling. So like, some dudes would just like run off to the office. to tell on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was, a, it was a weird place. I made it for about three or four months. It was a trip. Like the way they would punch you up there, they had these the places like a huge horseshoe. And along the two legs of it or whatever, there was these benches. And you had to sit in the bench with your back up and straight. And you couldn't look to the left or to the right. And you just had to sit there until someone came over and stood you up. And that was like the way they like a timeout or it was like a grown-up timeout yeah. yeah big kid timeout and um so finally me uh, me and my my homies up there we kind of we, we got some dope in there and uh some dude from like redlands came in and he could tell we were high and he's like "Yo, hey give me high and we're like you just got here you know and it's, you're gonna blow it for us and dude we like you could smoke in the facility but you had to smoke outside and we gave him a line the next thing he's like smoking on his bunk and we got busted he told on us and so like the guy there was three dudes that i was up that i used to kick it with up there one guy was from um, alameda mm-hmm. and one guy was from uh, modesto and then there was a guy from like vallejo and i think alameda was the closest to napa and that dude's probation officer was there like that morning so we knew like we're all we're all about to go so we split me and this dude split from there just took off yeah we just a wall yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. and um there was like a city college across the street and we got on a bus and then got on a bus to vallejo and then once we got to vallejo we got on the bart like bay area rapid transit and I mean I made it like another six months out of there. Staying up
0: north or did you make no, your way back, back down? I came my girlfriend got me some money and then I, I came back here. And do you remember, did you like that experience where you're like, Well, this world is intriguing to me? Like, Dude, like it doesn't scare me. I no I don't I don't mind seeing where it takes me. It's the guys that I was kinda of like looking up to, uh
1: role models were just going in and out of prison and they always looked out super tough for me. It's more, more me than any of my other friends that like still had a house they could go to and, and stuff. And, and uh, dude, so like they kind of had it in my head, like, dude, just get ready to be going to prison and, and that's what you're gonna be doing, you know? So they schooled me at, at like a really young age. i mm-hmm. like, I just thought that that was gonna be me. You know, I, I was never really scared of it. It was just kind of how it was.
0: That was the people you looked up to, and you had a sense of love for them, and you felt a sense of love from them. Yeah. So you're like, this is a life. Let me get ready for
1: it. Yeah, and I mean, those dudes, like I said, like, when I got back to Santa Barbara, like, they laced me, made sure I had a place to stay. I remember one of my older homeboys, every time he'd see me, he'd be like, how much money do you got in your pocket? You know, he'd always make sure I had more than 50 bucks. He always made sure I had a sack, you know, whatever I needed always yeah you know he'd feed me and like that's what all the older homeboys were doing and then uh and then I just remember I don't know it was weird like we were all doing speed and that was kind of like the thing and then one one of the one of the homeboys got out and he's like you know we're we're doing dope now we're doing heroin and that that changed like the working <laughs> dude. I was going the whole other way, you know? Yeah, yeah. and then it was
0: pretty much you know, speed and heroin and that that's when life just gets to completely. So you, you kept doing speed, but now you had just added heroin into the mix. Yeah. now At least with speed, did you see was speed still like a party drug for you where you'd use it but you'd be productive, you get things done, you wanna get out and S- and live? Speed
1: yeah, I would definitely wanna get out and I mean speed was like kind of the way that I survived. So like I wasn't Doing it, I didn't like need to do it. and right? mm-hmm. So like when I would sell some somebody something, i always have them kick me down a little bump. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was kinda like yeah. I was like how oh, I made money and just kinda how I was like doing stuff. That's a good
0: business model, huh? I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, right? And uh and the but heroin's totally different. Ain't nobody giving you know, me nothing. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't ever able to be a successful heroin dealer. And how was it introduced to you?
0: Was it Black Tar? Was it yeah. Pow pal- Black Tar? Back then, this was like 96. It was all tar. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so do you remember your first time smoking that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, you know, it was like that was the first time
1: all that stress that I was carrying around and all that like insecurities and all that shit. It felt like like my shoulders just dropped. Dude. Just ugh you know,
0: uh-huh. it was all gone. Everything's going to be all right.
1: Whether everything was going to be all right or everything was going to be fucked up, I didn't even care. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's whatever.
0: Uh-huh. It's all good
1: right now. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And so you went that, you still went heavy in that. And did you ever end up slamming? Yeah. And so it, no matter what, it kind of, do you, is that what you see? It always ends up going that route? I think it does, yeah. Um, so yeah. and, and then so it goes from kind of I wouldn't necessarily say glamorous, but maybe like party party scene and everybody's doing it to feel good mm-hmm. and get themselves up to. Now, tell me about how long did it take to just start seeing like the dark and oh, people like, are just like pretty, pretty fast, like everything changes, you
1: know, people change. And, um, and, and I mean, so luckily. I was only I was only like shooting it for a little while, and then I I went to boys camp and I caught like a really lucky break where like I went to um, I went to boys camp and I got in a couple of fights. They sent me back to juvenile hall. I came back and then like I was up there for like seven or almost eight months because I kept getting in trouble. Uh, and then they said like uh, you're going to turn eighteen do you want to go to a county jail and finish out your term there or do you want to go to this program called the California Conservation Corps? And um, I was like, well, what's that all about? <clears throat> and, and they kind of told me there's different areas in California specialize in different things, you know, like there's some inland um, cities do like fisheries and uh you know like kind of the suburban down south areas like LA are doing like kind of more Caltrans style stuff and then up north in like Humboldt they're doing like a bit they're building trails through redwood forests and and stuff like that and I I remember seeing like Humboldt was the farthest one on the map from Uh Santa Barbara and I'm thinking well Humboldt they probably got weed up there (laughs) you know you know what I mean oh yeah uh when can I go and they're like we'll send you the day after you turn 18 and I, and luckily there was like a a crew like a, a new start thing happening like that day so I turned 18 and um my girl and my mom packed me up a big duffel bag and like uh my family met me at the Greyhound station probation picked me up and boys camp and dropped me off over there And I got on the Greyhound I went up there and that that program really
0: taught me like how to work and have a work ethic and you know your first job ever besides slanging or yeah first job first job ever all right first real job and i hear you mention your girl a couple times it's the same one from way back who was helping you get money and
1: yeah that i was with that first one
0: for like about six years okay yeah so All someone right. at that time. So you shoot up there, and is that your? Are you clean at that point when you go up there? I'm smoking weed. Uh-huh. But not more of the heavy. More, no more. No more heroin. Not no more. Nothing. No other drugs. And that is your first time in years from being off that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I had those little breaks, like the little juvenile hall things, and the thing in our family where I was off for a second. Uh-huh. You know, but
0: and what so that feeling up there now you're working is it okay you know you can go get it you're not in not in jail you could get the good shit now you're out yeah do you what is what's the temptation level i didn't want to do it you
1: know i really enjoyed working and i wasn't smoking weed before work i mean we're using chainsaws and doing all kinds of crazy Mm -hmm. shit and I, i really liked getting up and you know going out and working hard all day and coming home and eating a good meal and you know, then we were There was really nothing to do up there. I mean, we were like really isolated. I'm sure we could have gotten it, but it
0: was yeah. It was cool, you know. But you yeah, had something else to but be productive, keep you busy, something that you like doing. Yeah. And then yeah, you'd smoke bud at the end of the uh, hardworking day and just chill and relax. Yeah. yeah. So how long do you do that for? For a year. A year straight, open yeah. humble, mm-hmm. and then you come back down here, or what? What happens? I Come back down here, and um, because it ended, because it ended, uh huh. And so the plan
1: was, uh, there was like three months until summer. My birthday's in January, or whenever summer starts. And as soon as summer starts, me and this girl were moving to Minnesota because we got to get Adam out of Santa Barbara. You have that. You know that. Yeah. yeah. And my family knew that. And sure enough, as soon as I got back here, I picked up right where I left off. I didn't shoot anything I wasn't shooting heroin or doing anything, but you know, I was I was working a little bit, doing some carpenter's union stuff, but I was smoking weed every day. I started drinking and then I started doing speed. It didn't didn't jump right back into it, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I think I used heroin, smoked heroin a couple of times and luckily like right then it was time to go. And this is
0: nineteen. Yeah. 1920? 1920, yeah. So what was, was it? So what was it? Just coming back to the environment, that just, that's yeah. what you were used to? Was well, it? As the fellas, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So in order to be around them, that's what they got going on, and it was... I just don't want to look like a lame, uh-huh. know, I guess, yeah. And that's what you think... Like, did they push that upon you or you kind of just felt that that's what you'd be looked at?
1: Honestly, like, um, most of the people I was hanging out with at that time weren't really pushing anything, mm-hmm. but it was there if you wanted it, you know, but I don't feel like anyone ever, I just always had the, I always wanted to like be a part of, you know? Oh yeah. And so like, if they're doing it, I wanted to do
0: it, but I don't think it was ever really, at that age, I don't think it was being pushed on me at all yeah that, that just says a lot though the fact that some people just want to be a part of something how much your environment matters if that's what your environment is and that's what they're doing yeah. you want to be a part of it, it's it's easy to just slip right back into there mm-hmm. but you were able to say okay either way minnesota came the chance to leave and you still got up and yeah. left yeah and so what was that journey that like what happened in minnesota
1: minnesota was like a was a good I started going to to college there um, and I was working in a factory uh, like a sheet metal factory just like punching holes in road signs and clipping the corners off and following them down. all day long so yeah it, I don't think it was all day because I think I went to school in the afternoon. What were you studying? Uh, just the basic general education at like their community college so Mm -hmm. like all the basic most basic I got my GED GED. I got my GED
0: in boys camp so while I was there they had like a GED program and I was able to get that Alright, wow, so Minnesota was pretty low key. So, dude, like where I was at, there was
1: like 500 people in the city I was in, and that was like 20 minutes away from a, a town that had like 15,000 people. I mean, there wasn't much going on, uh-huh. and so it was it was cool because it was like a it was a break. And while I was there, I was there for a little over a year, and it was good because I was going to school and I didn't even really trip on how bad I missed it here or anything until I came back here for a vacation.
0: And I was like, dude, all, Damn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that
0: place sucked. Yeah. And did you stay here or you went back? Oh, we went back and got all of our stuff and came back like so later. Yeah. And you come back here, Santa Barbara. Now you're what, about 22, 23. Um, yeah, I think, I think I just turned 21. Well, oh, 21. Yeah. And so what's now, what's that? 19 to 20, 2021. Yeah. So you come back, you leave Minnesota. Now you're back in SB. What's the big plan? The big plan is to complete college.
1: And I enroll at City College and my mom's actually working there uh, at City College in the nursing department. She had been a nurse my whole life, but she went back to school and got a bachelor's degree in uh, communications. Uh But she's working. So she helped me get all dialed into school over there and I jumped in and same thing. I was, I was smoking weed and started drinking and, and started using. And I think I, I relapsed on heroin one time and it kind of like scared me. So I started going to a 12 step program and I got clean and sober for the first time. And I got a lot, I stayed, stayed
0: sober for like, um, 20 months. I got a lot of the And that 12-step program, did somebody tell you about it? Or you kind of just knew from hearing?
1: Yeah, I had, they, when I was in VS Bronza, they had given me a court card and we had to go to uh, 12-step meetings and get the card signed. So that was like my introduction to Uh it, you know, so I knew about it. And then I was seeing this like counselor at City College who was like, you know, like this you could do this or you could do that or... You might want to think about doing this and if you can't stop doing that try this and he was slick dude.
0: <laughs> you know what i mean so he helped out yeah uh, and then the 12-step program that helped you out as well yeah Well, what mostly is the structure the community <sighs> yeah so like
1: the 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 steps are like a real like cleansing process for people who like don't know about it and and it's like um, the 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 beginning of it like the first kind of Three steps are like admitting that you're powerless over uh, whatever substance is you're using or thing, and being willing to to follow direction and turn that over to a higher power, sound like something else can take this this away from me. To kind of relieve that yeah. responsibility and just accept it. And then you do like an inventory and you go back and you you work on all the all the negativity that you're carrying with you, all the people you're mad at, whether it's some dude that pants you in third grade or me or whatever. And then and then you go you make this list and you figure out like what was my part in all these things and, and what did I do wrong or how did it affect me and everything. And then you go over that with your sponsor. And then you, you know, you ask uh, your higher power to remove all your defects of character. The 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 fourth step is about finding patterns and mm-hmm. like where am I selfish? Where am I dishonest? Where am I self seeking? You know. <clears throat> Once you go through this, then you get to the ninth step, and you go back and you make amends to everybody you've wronged, and and that's a real cleansing process. So now I'm not carrying around all this baggage and feeling like when I see somebody I burned. You know, I don't want to like not look at them, not make
0: eye contact with them. So when w- when you did that, did you also do the opposite too, to where maybe somebody wronged you and you forgave them, or is it only you got what it. you did exactly? Uh huh. Yeah, you got to You got to like just let it all go. And how hard is it to do that? Did you have to do a lot of homework to track people down, or is it? Yeah, you just oh. uh, so like um
1: your sp- my sponsor is the one who says you can go say sorry to this person go find this, pursue this or just leave that alone. Because if it's going to upset the
0: person, we don't ever want to do that, right? We don't want to okay. make the situation worse. than uh-huh. it is. So, and that definitely did work for you? Yeah, it changed my life. Yeah, that's how I, I don't I hope you don't mind me staying here a little bit because I just figure so many people carry that yeah. around with them. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. And and they they bury it mm-hmm. or they, or actually like they spew it out all day long and just it's negative it's poisonous. So those resentments, yeah, it's, it's
1: poison. Right? And there's like so many analogies, you know, mm-hmm. like uh drinking poison thinking that someone that, you know, it's like you're like, if I'm, I'm drinking poison, expecting someone else to die from it. Or yeah. Something, or there's it's like, like, like you drinking of...
0: poison, hoping it kills your enemy. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works.
1: No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, there's like, and there's a, there's a lot of like cool analogies for it, but basically that, that poison can kill you, Definitely. you know? and it can just be, it, it, I mean, it can weigh so heavy on people that they can end up having like physical ailments from it, be depressed or just use substances. Yeah. Some I believe that's where it mostly eat. comes from. Yeah. yeah. Some people gamble. I mean, just, you know, or they're just mad all the time, all the time mad. Yeah, you know? I and mean, it's like, I can't live
0: like that. I can't do it. You know? um, now, right. Yeah. Now that, now that you, you got the knowledge and you've executed on it. Right. And so that's step nine. And then what are the last few steps? So there? the
1: last, the last three steps are like, they're called like uh, maintenance steps and then 10, 11 and 12. And so that's basically um, where you, you do a daily inventory to see where you wronged somebody. Or, or where you, your defects of character come out, you ask God to remove that and, and ask, or whatever an individual's higher power, higher power mm-hmm. is. And then you ask, and then so then you make amends as promptly as possible. Uh, so if you can clean that up, you want to do it as soon as you can, you know? And then the last step is like being of service. So it basically breaks down like, uh, I want to help any alcoholic or drug addict that's in me. Mm-hmm. If someone puts their hand out to me and asks for help, I never can turn it down.
0: Correct. You know I mean? And that continues on for the rest of your life? Yeah. And do you necessarily have to be a part of the program to do that, or you can just go on your own life and do that for other- Yeah, I mean, like,
1: old-school 12-step dudes might say that, you know, you should be active uh-huh. in the program. I don't think so. I think, And I don't think it's just... I think it it applies anywhere with anything. We can always be of service. We can always help people wherever we're at, whatever we're doing. You know what I mean? If I'm going to try to take someone through a set of 12 steps from a program, I should be abstinent from drugs and alcohol. If I'm going to run those steps. Right. right? That's what you're preaching. Yeah. But I do believe that
0: anybody can help. So anyone can be of service. Uh, and, And then recently we, uh, Okay, you you invited me to attend a ceremony mm-hmm. for a new house for you yeah. again i'm honored thank you very much for having us thanks for coming in that story you started to you they had a little summary of you're going back and forth mm-hmm. how you get clean you build up all these things mm-hmm. get a good life for you yeah and then kind of throw it all away yeah. so i'd like to know one if you could explain just those times of what was going through your head what did you build up and why you slipped again and then also just if you could explain to us what that I know I was there but maybe if you could tell others what that ceremony was about because to me it was a big honor for you and I want to help share that
1: so I think that the ceremony um or yeah it was about just Celebrating the fact that, you know, like men can stay sober after a new house. New house is a sober living home. It's a really safe environment. It's a structured place to build a solid foundation. But, like, what happens when people leave? Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, some people relapse. It's just the nature of the disease. And so I think that it's. what the director wanted people to see and and people in the community and even guys in the house is that like, if you build a solid foundation and you stick to it, you can stay sober and enjoy like a happy, healthy life. You know, and it's like, life ain't easy. We all go through stuff. You know what I mean? But I haven't had to pick up.
0: uh, So that ceremony was to just to honor you for, for doing just that. Right. All right. Yeah. Awesome. And so, can you tell us about your ups and downs?
1: Yeah, so the ups and downs for me are, are uh, a lot of times based around kind of like my my meeting uh, participation and attendance, and what kind of program I'm working. And it usually starts when I stop going to the twelve step meetings, I stop calling my sponsor, I stop praying, and I lose that spiritual connection, and then I start doing like the blame game instead of being accountable for my actions and kind of like being a man and just like suiting up and handling business when mm-hmm. I have to like getting shit done I'll start being like well fuck that dude for doing me wrong or if this would have happened this would have happened, and, and now I almost I'm like turning kind of into like a victim you know mm-hmm. it's like I didn't get this job or I didn't get this and poor me and then yeah,
0: everything's against me yeah, yeah.
1: everything's against me and instead of like Realizing that, like, you know, things happen and obstacles are things we just have to climb over,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: So, so I get into this kind of like almost like a, a victim mentality.
0: And then sooner or later, I would pick up. And then. You know. So, so you'd get some momentum and doing well, getting jobs, getting your own place, getting things for you. Mm-hmm. And then you hit a wall somewhere, it's something, some opportunity wouldn't come through. Yeah. And that would make you say fuck everything yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty much.
1: and if i'm not attending those 12-step meetings and staying connected
0: when i say fuck everything it's just yeah and when you so what was your mindset when you wouldn't attend was it like oh i got this like i'm good i don't need to go there
1: exactly so like my ego would start to come back i got yeah. and that's exactly it oh i got this i don't need that you know, yeah. I got it all under control. I yeah. can handle it, dude. Look, I'm doing good. Yeah, I was lost <laughs> for a little bit, but I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm not good, and I don't got this. And I, and I, I mean, like, I need help. I need to be around people that
0: have my best interest in mind. And do you like anchor that into your the people you sponsor and the people that you still see going through that house? Like, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't let that ego that that evil part of the ego come in and think you have it. Like how important it is to stay within the the structure and the system.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like the, the main thing is like, uh, as an alcoholic and a drug addict, I have to stay willing to follow direction and not let my ego say that guy just wants to tell me what to do, or I'm better than that. You know, I have to like, if so, if someone that I know in my heart has my best interest
0: in mind and they mm-hmm. tell me to do something I don't want to do, but I can see that it's the right thing to do. I just do it. What was the difficulty level for you to actually put your ego aside and say, okay, I'm gonna listen to another grown ass man tell me mm-hmm. what to do with my life.
1: The last one was I mean like me and me and the fellas had this had this weed shop on Milpa Street. We were doing good. I had like everything I thought I ever wanted. Money, had the car I wanted. I had dude, I had it going on and I was still fucking empty inside. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I was still yeah. empty inside. And I just felt like something wasn't right. And um and then when the weed shop thing ended and I had no money, no nothing and I still felt empty inside. I sunk down to like the lowest I've ever been, you know? Cause and at least like, you didn't
0: have that to keep you afloat. That one little thing. Right.
1: Like, and it was like, uh, no, I, I was, uh, fortunately I was never like homeless in the gutter. Like I, people always have taken care of me and I've always had homeboys looking out for me, dude, my whole life. I don't yeah. know. You know, like people always bring me like charisma, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, um, uh, I don't know i i, I caught that last the, the last uh case and and did the did the year and i was just i i like i just made a decision dude mm-hmm. like i don't ever want to live like this again you know
0: and you could but you could feel that it wasn't just mentally no like it's to the point where you really can't even go go back i had told
1: myself so many times coming out of that county jail i'm not gonna use when i get out And it's like you go from inside through the Sally Porta. (laughs) I'm getting high now. It's like, dude, what just happened? That guy was (laughs) (laughs) left in county. It was that fast,
0: man. Yeah. And so I don't know, but like, I I just, I just, I don't know. And when did Rainy come into the picture and how much? would you uh, give her credit for helping you stay on the track? Your so rain- daughter, Rainy? So I've
1: been, been totally clean and sober for about a year and a half when, when we had Rainy. And, um, yeah, so, like, Rainy's totally changed my whole life. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, like, <clears throat> I stay clean and sober for myself because I have to, you know, just because, like, I want to live. And, and But I know that, like, there's, there's no way I'd be able to – I just can't even think
0: about what it would be like. You can't even picture yourself being slamming limited. heroin right now, I right? Or no, I can't. Going I mean, and smoking like, with the homeboy,
1: I can, bolt. but I mean, like, I don't. I just don't yeah. even go there, you know. And I keep myself so insulated in the in the program and around people that care about me, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know. And, and I just,
0: yeah. But Rainy's, uh, she's changed my life, and I've, I've, I've when you. When I was first introduced to you, you came back into training at Paragon. I was a white belt. Yeah, you were a brown belt coming back, right? I came back as a blue belt. As a blue belt? Yeah. When I was a white belt, maybe because I've three I years. Know. It was three years now. I've been been training. So
1: you, yeah, you must have met me when I was a brown
0: belt. But I've okay. been yeah. back, I guess, for uh, two years. Prior to, right that. to that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I met you as a white belt. You were a brown belt. Yeah. And and I remember one time because uh, Katrina used to babysit for you. Yeah, 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 And the first time she ever babysat for you was, uh, and I really hope you don't mind me talking about this, but I just yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. important. Yeah. Is you were trying to have a date with the mother of Rainy. Right. And I remember you telling me like, well, we're going to go, try to see what's there still and and we're just going to go out and see and see where it leads. Yeah. And that was as far as my, um, what I seen, that was the first and last time it happened. Was that relationship toxic in a way to where it was a part of your past? Eh. So like at that point in my life, I had just gone back to school for
1: alcohol and drug counseling. And on that date, um, rainy's mom was like what are you looking for in a girl and i was like i want someone who's sober stable and positive positive." and i remember she just started she just broke down crying and she's like i'm not fucking any of that and i was like well yeah. <laughs>
0: you know what i mean and that was uh, that was kind of it yeah. that was that was that time you guys went out and that was were, that had that, that discussion that, and that was the last you know the last time yeah and so that that was was that a can you say that was an important step for you to kind of move on yeah, from that there was, that was it that was the end of it. because I know it's hard mother your children no yeah. matter how um you know bad toxic are, they are there's always going to be that love right that that um that family type of love but it's to the point where sometimes you, oh, like you got to cut it.
1: Yeah. So um, the 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 issue is, um, I had to come to a point with her, unfortunately, where I had to completely sever any type of emotional relationship or bond with her, mm-hmm. uh, just because it it was there was no positive to it whatsoever, you know. Yeah. So, like, um, that's Rainey's mom. I hope that she can stay clean and sober for herself
0: and and for Rainey, you know, but th- that's as far as it goes. Yeah. And, and you, so when you let that relationship go, that opened you up to be able to let others right. in, right? Mm-hmm. And now... You have a new love in your life yeah, and how positive an impact is that to have a strong woman by your side to help empower you yeah well she,
1: yeah she's she's awesome and and that kind of changed it changed the whole like uh the whole kind of like dynamic of, of everything obviously uh, but uh so. The thing about Rachel that's that's so cool is she is really motivated, mm-hmm. and she's always supported me. Every time I would walk out the door to go to jujitsu, jitsu mom would say some shit to me.
0: Every fucking time. Like it was a Sancho you were going to go visit or something? Something. Yeah. It was just so, I mean, I'd be sitting.
1: So then I'd get to class, I'd get to jujitsu, and feel bad for being there. So I can't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then I get home and I'm resentful at her, you know, and, and, you know, I'm trying to like be a good 12 step dude. And it's like this resentments are building and it was, it was, it was really bad. And so now Rachel's always just like, have fun. You know, she's super supportive. She's come since I've been with her. She's come to every tournament I've competed in, you know, she's, she loves me like so selflessly. You know,
0: it's just, yeah. dude, she takes such good care of me. And now you got her on the mat, like, so she's joined yeah. into what your passion is rather than give you shit for it. Right. And and that just motivates and empowers you to just keep getting better and better.
1: Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, it's it's been a really cool experience to watch her grow on the mat. I mean, people are always like, do you, do you coach her at night? And, mm-hmm. and it's like, really Juanito's her coach. Yeah. You know, that's her coach. Like, she asks me things, and we play around, but, like, Juanito's her coach, and it's her mission. That's her journey, and I want to respect that, and I want to support that, and I want to watch her grow
0: and be there for her while she goes through all that because it's such an important thing for me, you know? Oh, yeah, and you know what it's going to do for her. Yeah. So, speaking of that, for you, you've had jujitsu when you were struggling, right? Well, so,
1: uh, I got injured...
0: Training in about, and like, I don't
1: know if it was like 2005 or 2006, I had like a really serious injury. And I, I was clean and sober at the time, and I was doing good. Um, and some dude was like stacking me, st- like a stack pass. Mm-hmm. He was like a really good wrestler, big guy. And like, uh, my L4 and L5s, like the discs herniated. If you can like remember when it happened, dude. I got this like sharp. Shooting pain, everything went white. I didn't know if I was gonna like pass out or puke. It was, yeah. it was cr- I was able to get out of there. I got got out of the gym and and got home. So this was training, wasn't this a was competition. Tra- yeah, uh-huh. this was training, and um, and sure enough, they're like, "We got to do surgery." And I had a back surgery, and I was out for like years. Uh huh. Ten, maybe eight or ten, eight or nine years. And that uh-huh. was a blue belt. Is when you got off the mat. Mm-hmm. And and I, and what happened is. I got strung out on my pain medication. Like once those opiates got in my system, I oh, yeah. started thinking I could uh, like the legal, control shit again. Yeah, the legal show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it took a long time to get my life back
0: on track. But that was a really long relapse. Do you think if that injury didn't happen and you were able to keep jujitsu in your life, you still would have had those struggles during that period of time? I don't know. I almost don't want to think about it sometimes
1: because I see guys that I remember that were coming up in the game back then
0: that got their own academies and are like world, multiple world champions mm-hmm. and they're just like doing so well. So when you think about yeah. that, it's almost like, like you fuck, you fuck shit up. You lost out on some things where you could have been. So you're just cut that out. <laughs> I, mean, like,
1: I, mean, I, I feel like, you know, god had a mission for me and it just wasn't
0: that oh yeah no doubt you know that's an awesome way to think of it yeah and so you you come back and as far as when i met you when you've already been there but when when i first met you um i can honestly say that out of everyone at the academy academy besides um our master frangia yeah that you've went out and competed the most. You think? I think so. Yeah. Especially as a, especially as a black belt, I, yeah. you know, so what, what pushes you to do that? Because it's not like our whole gym is uh, out there competing as a team all the time, but out of everybody, I see you constantly pushing yourself and getting out there, whether it's just yourself yeah, or your buddy uh, Cole yeah, or you and the old lady and rainy, but you're just constantly going out there. Well, so it's like a couple of things like back, when I started, um,
1: competing was a huge part of it. It was different. Uh-huh. Like, and like, you know, like he really pushed everyone from Gina, yeah. uh, my master, our master pushed everyone to compete. And that was just like it's just that's just how it was,
0: you know, like that's what we do. You you know, what, kind it kind of what goes back to that thing. same yeah.
1: thing. This everyone's competing, and I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I wanted that competition team. Back then we had competition team shirts and sweaters, and I want competition team patch, I want yeah. all that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the other part is like uh I still like that fear. You know? Yeah. That I dude, I get scared every time before I compete. Sometimes I'll be sitting there like, I don't even want to be here right now. I'm going home. <laughs>
0: you know, oh, yeah. The way it's structured, you know I mean? it's the waiting. You know? like, dude, yeah, it's that. waiting in the <laughs> bullpen.
1: Yeah. Who's this dude? i never even seen him before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just, I don't know. I don't Did know. they call my name? Did they not call my name? So I'm checking the list three times. Are you guys on time? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely that guy. But uh, I love it. Once we, we shake down and
0: lock up, dude, it's just a whole different thing, dude. You know, it's like all that fear and pain just goes away. Yeah. Or most people shy away because they know that fear, that nervousness, which I think there's a fine line between nervousness and excitement. Right. And if people could just really believe in that, Hey, what I'm feeling right now is excitement. Yeah. Because what I'm about to do is push me beyond what I'm used to. Yeah. And that opens up for enjoyment and just so many opportunities in life. If you can learn that and do it, they would be so much better off.
1: I think a lot of people, and I could be totally wrong, but I think a lot of people don't compete because before they get to black belt level because they're scared that if they go out and compete and lose, their, their coaches are going to say, well, he's not ready to be promoted. Uh-huh. You know, And and competing's hard and people lose, and that's just how it goes. Yep. You know? So I don't think that
0: promotion should be based on how many competitions you win but i i think everybody should of getting out there like one you should just get out there whether it's a jujitsu competition or any other time you should challenge yourself mm-hmm. and just going out there and challenging yourself should be reward enough yeah uh, but when it comes to jujitsu you shouldn't be training because you want to be promoted right at least that's my feeling like, Right.
1: no I, I know but i i agree with you and and I think that was when when I first started. I I really did. I was training because I wanted to be promoted, and I think I was competing to prove something. And this last time when I came back, dude, I was just so happy to be back on the mats.
0: I wasn't even tripping on belts or anything. Yeah, you know. And I remember, I remember your ceremony. Mm-hmm. I remember there there was that 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 a lot of people got promoted at Black Belt at that time who've been putting in work, and it was awesome to see. Uh, to sit there and be able to hear your guys' stories of going there. And one of the stories that they brought up, and then you didn't really get into too much detail, so I'd like to hear it right now, yeah. was uh, Frangia and a team, and you were on that team, went to Brazil. Yeah. And then some along something along the mix, you're on a stretcher and a helicopter. <laughs> it was more like a big net. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what happened?
1: Yeah. Um, basically... I think it was Empanema Beach, I'm pretty sure. And I think, I, I could be wrong about, like, the exact spot, but it was, like, post-012 or post-011 or something. that was, like, a really, like, happening spot. And these beaches are thick. I mean, there's, like, sand for, like, dude, these are huge beaches. Beach breaks for miles. And uh, so who was there? It was me, Jeff Glover, and Adam, and Bill uh, from Bill Cooper or Bill Stallworth from, L- from, mm-hmm. and, uh, Regina had to go, I think he was like getting some dental work done. So he, he was gone for a second and, um, we we're just chilling on the beach and, um, Tom and Jeff are like, we're going to just go like jump in the water and check it out. Right. So they go and they come back and it's <laughs> like, dude, I almost just died. And I, like, you know how he is, dude. I thought he was just kind of yeah. sarcastic. No, I was like, dude, <laughs> I was a junior lifeguard. It ain't shit. And so I go out there and I dive in, and like, it, it wasn't like really big. I, it was probably like maybe four feet waves, but they're like barreling pretty hard all the way down the beach. And there's like a weird kind of like rip where it was like, <clears throat> and I don't know, it's pulling you like right into the surf, the surf zone. And and pulling you out. So um, I get into the lineup, it's all good, and I start swimming to try to like body surf this wave. And I could only get up enough speed to kind of go over the falls. And so I got dumped. And I surfed like when I was little growing up here. Uh, So I mean, I was like pretty comfortable the first one. I just kind of relaxed and was getting smashed. And I came up and I took a breath and just another one, just boom on the head. And I was like, dude, this is, this is pretty shitty. You know, and I came up on the on the next one and I didn't even have enough time to like catch my breath. It was just like up, uh, smash. And I, and I remember thinking like, dude, if if uh, if this happens again, I'm gonna die. Like I'm, die- I'm gonna die. And I came up on the next one and I took a breath and that junior lifeguard shit kicked in. And I dove down as deep as I could and the undertow pulled me out past the surf line. And like, dude, you call it a miracle or God, but there's like this, this boogie boarder out there, just right there where I came up. There was no one even else, dude, for probably miles down the beach, both ways, there's no one. And this dude's just right there. And uh, he just hands me his boogie board and takes off his fin, and he starts waving it. And I'm like, so he's seen you struggling? I don't yeah. know. what he saw, he just saw me come up and I probably looked, <laughs> <laughs> looked like I almost just died, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And, um, so sure enough, the next thing I know, it's like, uh, he's like, he's like saying stuff and you know, they speak Portuguese. I don't know what's going on. He's oh, right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't I'm fucking know. And he's waving this fin around. And the next thing you know, here comes like, you know, this like Brazilian David Hasselhoff dude with his Baywatch shit coming down the beach. And he comes out and he's like yelling at me and I'm trying to talk to him in English. I'm asking him, like, dude, he, he just goes, he's just like, shh. The the helicopter's coming. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Nah, I can't afford that. Where where's like a section or a channel? And I'm like in my mind, I'm like, I'm swimming back in, I'm gonna try it again. And the dude just swam up on me, like grabbed me by the neck and pulled his fist up and he's like, respectful. And I'm like, dude. Sure enough, here comes a helicopter. These dudes jump out and they throw this big net out, put me in the net. take <laughs> <me
0: over. laughs> me All out right, on the so beach. it wasn't that you were injured that there's why you're in the net no. because there was no way to get you back to yeah. shore without having to swim again, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is yeah. so embarrassing. <laughs> so, Gino's when from, piss, he, uh, he's like, Did you even thank the lifeguard? I'm like, I had to go over and thank him. and yeah, dude, it was super embarrassing. And then like the black, there was two black belt schools we were training at. Uh, one was this dude Comprito. and then another dude uh, Hachino. And um, and then like when they would see me, they'd be like,
0: <laughs> 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 just be clowning me. Yeah, the jiu jitsu way, you know. Yeah,
1: that was a that was an amazing trip. We uh, we all competed uh, blue belt worlds, and like I don't I'm just. Was so impressive down there. You know he won, uh, so he's a world champ. He was a blue belt world champion, and I mean this was in Brazil at like the Tijuca Tennis Club, which is like a famous spot down there where they had these these uh, these world championships. And
0: so nice, hardly dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't doubt it at all. It's it's hard to even think of a time where I ever even be able to complete compete or last. For a little bit with the Dom. There just no nothing there I can see right now when I roll with him. He's so just gnarly. Yeah. And he also teaches a hell of a class, you know. His, his personality really. and his charisma just makes people want to be on the map with him.
1: Yeah, he's a great he's a great teacher. He's really good at breaking breaking things down. Yeah, he's an awesome instructor. So
0: Black Male for you is year two. Two, two years as a black like box. Three, three years in October. Three years in October. Solid relationship with Rachel. daughter Rainey's growing up and showing her lots of love, getting lots of love back. How's life now? Life, you know, now? You've said it mentioned being empty. You had things, but yeah. it was a shower. You felt empty on the inside. Mm-hmm. Is that, what's the case now?
1: Oh, uh, it's definitely more than I could have ever dreamed of or, or asked for, you know. Um, I, I work at um, a... <clears throat> uh, for the Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse at a residential treatment center where they do withdrawal management and treatment. And so I get to see people that are in the throes of addiction and homelessness and mental illness every day, you know, and so it, it can be a really hard job, but it's also really re- rewarding. Yep. Uh, so that that's awesome. I just finished up all my hours to become a certified alcohol and drug counselor. So I'll be taking the state board test in the next couple of months to get my license and everything. Congratulations on that. Thanks. And, um, and everything else is, like, like I said, I, Rachel has just been such a positive part of my life and her family's great they're like kind of like a traditional mexican family Her uncle's got a ranch they they, do like barbecues and good food and you know they they always feed me well and take Mm -hmm. care of me and i love that Uh, yeah you know what i mean Uh (laughs) so it's cool Man, everything's everything's going real good right now I, I I stay busy but I I always try to keep in mind not to tr- to do too much mm-hmm. you know I don't want to get too too busy
0: correct yeah you gotta enjoy life and and it seems like everything you're involved with I mean it's no surprise why you're fulfilled like you have jujitsu which are so many rewards it could be its own podcast on that right you have a fulfilling relationship. You have your daughter that has so much love. And the work that you do, like you said, you get to impact people's lives every day. And it's not like you that's where you go to make lots of money. Mm. You don't do it because of the money. Mm. And to me, that's where I want people to think and hear is you had your own shop before. You were kind of like your own entrepreneur you're making um, you were you making more money back then than you are now. I don't think i
1: ever make that much money
0: again. Yeah, but even though you did, <laughs> yeah, that that's not it. That's I, what I want people to get. Yeah, no, get that the,
1: money was there, and did I had the Impala I wanted, and ju- juiced it, it was laced up, and it was. Just, I had it was I had everything,
0: all the nice clothes, all the nice gear, and I was totally empty inside. Oh, but now you, you have the formula to not be. Yeah. So I'm hoping a lot of people can take your formula and apply it to their lives and, you know, lead, start living a more fulfilled life. I think one of the main things is, like,
1: people got to remember is to stay teachable. Mm-hmm. You know, always wanting to learn. Oh, yeah. That's, like, in all aspects of life, you know, whether it's at work, whether it's on the math, whether it's, you know, from a teacher at
0: school with your kid or whatever. Yeah, anybody, right? Because yeah. you once you close your mind, nothing else gets in. Yeah. and the, the, This world is just full of teachable moments, teachable, um, just so many things to learn. Um, I appreciate your time, Paul. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. That's good stuff. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode with Adam. I hope you guys took some value from the story he had to share. Um, And if you did, could you please share so others may receive that same value. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you heard something insightful you think someone else would benefit from hearing, please share and make sure to subscribe in order to stay up to date with future episodes.